Hey guys, you're listening to Millennials at the Movies. I am Amy. And I'm Novi, and today we're doing Mystery Men. According to Google Movies, Champion City already has a superhero, the appropriately named Captain Amazing. But that doesn't deter the city's seven quirky amateur crime fighters, who use the captain's capture at the hands of villain Casanova Frankenstein as motivation to prove themselves. The only problem is that their strange powers silverware hurling, bowling, shovel skills, incompetent invisibility, and deadly flatulence aren't doing them any favors. <laughs> it's streaming on Stars and DirecTV, and on Rotten Tomatoes, the critics give it a 61, and the audience gives it a 57, so pretty consistent. Wow. I, I don't know why I was expecting higher ratings than that from the audience, at least. Um, I mean, it's a superhero movie. People love those. Right. <laughs> Kind of. Um, <laughs> I'm actually really surprised that I haven't I hadn't seen this movie um, until you chose it for us. Um, I love Ben Stiller. I've seen a lot of his movies, so I would have expected that I would have seen it. But also, like the type of superhero ridiculousness it is, also feels like it's right up my alley. <laughs> and I, just, I hadn't seen it. And I'm not the biggest superhero <laughs> film fan in the world. But I've hmm. always loved this movie. Hmm. Yeah, it's a, it's, I can't remember that one movie, the one with the turtle. Am I not turtly enough? Your turtle club. The Master of Disguise starring Dana that, Harvey. That, it reminds me of that movie. Um, I don't know what it is about it specifically. Maybe just how ridiculous it is, you know? Um, but it, it gave me feels like that. Don't get me started on that movie because it was so <laughs> shitty, but I love it too. I love it too, and we're gonna have to choose that at some point. Damn it! I'm gonna put that one on you, though. Oh, <laughs> we'll get there. We will. Um. Okay, so I started watching this movie, expecting immediate like ridiculousness, right from the very first second of it, and I feel like it took a while to build to that, even though it was still pretty ridiculous. Immediately, I just. I I remember just sitting there going, okay, Novi, what the fuck? <laughs> it's very much a satire, and I think it pretty much shows that from the beginning when three idiots show up with a shovel and cutlery <laughs> to try and defend an old folks' <laughs> an home, old folks home yeah. <laughs> from a group of weird criminals <laughs> whose entire thing is that they have dyed aerial red hair. Uh, yeah. And they're being mean to the senior citizens. That was my favorite thing. It's like, really? Are you in here now insulting these people? <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, and in most superhero movies, the superheroes are really good. But these three that we start out with, huh. Mr. Furious, the Shoveler, and the Blue Raja, <laughs> are the worst. If They actually make the situation worse. They do. They really do. And I love that it was like the the physical comedy of it was really good because like, I mean, okay, so we had the shoveler who ends up hitting his own friends in the face with a shovel. Um, we have the blue Raja who throws a spoon. Even like what? Like a spoon. Um, and then I think he throws a fork into Ben Stiller's ass. Okay, sorry, Mr. Furious's ass. It um, was the shoveler. Pay attention. It okay. was this, okay, I am so sorry. Um, <laughs> but yes, so he throws, so anyway, they end up hurting each other with their own, quote, powers. And then I was just like, what is Mr. Furious's thing gonna 
through? What What is his thing? Oh, he's just really bad at everything in life, even just like speaking. Cool. Yeah, his <laughs> power seems to be like toxic masculinity. Yeah, exactly. And you know I hate that word, yeah. but that's yeah. his entire thing. It's like, you wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And then he starts <laughs> doing like Ash Williams style punnery, but he is no Ash Williams. Uh, he It was so perfect though for Ben Stiller because that is like if you ask him to get angry or like just ask him how he reacts when he gets angry as a person like the actor I would expect that that would be his thing where it's just like oh I'm really angry right now you don't want to see me angry and it's just like that's adorable you're a small adorable person and I'm not scared of you at all um, now cool. you know who I am scared of oh who William H Macy who plays the uh. shoveler like, he's this character, Frank from Shameless, Paul from Jurassic Park 3, and George from Pleasantville, within the span of about 15 years. Yeah. Like, none of these people look the same. He's probably standing right behind you right now, and you just can't tell because you can't recognize him. Well, don't say that. That's terrifying. Um, but yeah, I, and you know, I was a huge Shameless fan for the first few seasons, and so that is who he is in my head. He is Frank, 100%. Even though I have seen Jurassic Park with him in it so many times. But he is Frank to me. And then in this, as the shoveler, he has his like crew cut haircut. And he he just looks like he just, he, he's joined the, the army or something. You know what I mean? Like, okay, maybe not joined because he's still old. But um, he's in the army. And it was so weird seeing him like that. Yeah, and what I love about that character is he is not funny at all. He's very no. serious and very dry, which is hilarious, but he never means to be joking. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I feel like none of them really mean to be joking. Like maybe Roy a little bit, but not even really. Like, I think when he's trying to be joking, it's when he's, like, trash-talking or attempting to. And then um, the Blue Raja is, like, punny. <laughs> he's not really... <laughs> I, I think they so much. sat home, both of them, and watched too many episodes <laughs> of Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs> and too many repeats of Army of Darkness and we're just oh. like, yeah, that's absolutely how you fight crime. You sit there and you make <laughs> little quits at the bad guys and then you punch them. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that how it works? I would have assumed that's how it and works. We even see Jeff sitting at home practicing his puns. Yes. And it's awful. It's so bad. He drops his spoons when he's trying to do a spoon uh, pun and like spin them in his hands. It's like, why are you even using the spoon? <laughs> like, we already know that's not going to do any damage. Well, um, he's my least favorite of all the characters. Not to get into this so early because we haven't met them all yet. But uh, I hate him. Like, he's all style and he's no substance no. at all. Oh, like, I love him. <laughs> of course we would have this disagreement. Go ahead. <laughs> he throws spoons and pie servers, but then he gets all pissy when it's suggested he might throw a knife. I'm not knifey boy. I'm not stab man. I'm the blue <laughs> Raja. Like, he's got the fake accent and it's so pretentious. Oh, I love it so much. It made me so happy because I, I had a feeling that it wasn't a real accent, you know? Um, and then when we see him with his mom and, like, hear his real 
voice and all that it was it was just great he was i thought it, that was really funny seeing him at home with his mom being this like old man who still lives at home who doesn't have his shit together but has put all of his energy into being the blue raja and it was great oh no i hate him <laughs> I, I'm not even slightly surprised. I'm not at all. I think my least favorite, if we're going to talk about it, would probably be Mr. Furious. He was so close to it for me. Mm -hmm. But one scene that happens way later fixes it for me, but he comes off as super abusive. Uh, yeah. And I'm curious what scene fixes it, but we'll, I'm sure we'll get there. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's like 70% through the movie so we're not doing it yet. <laughs> okay, we speaking can't. of speaking of 70% through the movie by the way, I'm going to go ahead and say something that I dislike about this movie already. It did not need to be 2 hours long. I feel like we're going to have this conversation every single episode. <laughs> but damn it, it doesn't need to be 2 hours long. But I can't think of any scene in it that I would have said, "Okay, that wasn't doing what I wanted it to do. That wasn't funny enough. I didn't enjoy that. Let's cut that." I have a couple of things. First of all, I, I don't think it's specific scenes that I would think of at the beginning, like, oh, I would cut this specifically. But I, I do think there was too much buildup at the start of it, where it's just like, I get it. It's not that serious a movie. It's not that complicated. I understand. So we don't need this to be moving as slowly, like not to cut any scenes, but just kind of speed them up, maybe. Um, and then I'm going to go ahead and talk about Monica for my other thing. I could have done without all of her scenes. Some of them were funny, kind of. But the entire way, I was like, okay, she's going to become important at some point, right? Right? No? Okay. <laughs> well, I liked her. I just didn't think she yeah. needed to be in the movie, except for the fact that I think if she weren't in the movie, then they would have went for a love story between Mr. Furious and the bowler. Yeah. And I, was... I didn't want that. So it was kind of like, I guess, an acceptable evil to say, okay, well, this will happen. So I don't have to deal with the other thing. And we can just let Janine Garofalo be funny and wear too much eyeliner and that awful <laughs> frosted lipstick. Yes. I love Janine Garofalo. And I agree with you. I'm glad that they didn't do the like romance between them two. And if what I had to have for that to not happen was getting Monica scenes, then that's fine. And I, lo I loved her too. I thought she was great, but it never went anywhere. And she was literally just the gorgeous girl that they put into the movie to give Mr. Furious a love interest. That was literally her entire purpose. And I hate that because I want females to have an important role in a movie. You know what I mean? And I mean, yeah, Janine Garofalo did. But like, if you're going to put her in the movie and make her love interest and have her be like the one that gets saved in the end and helps, well, well I have talked about the end a little now, <laughs> but that helps Mr. Furious and whatnot. Like, make her more important than that. Give her, either give her more scenes or just don't put her in at all, you know? Yeah, I can see that. It's just the movie wasn't really about her. No. It wasn't about her any more than it was about Jeff's mom or Eddie's wife. They had to have yeah. some in there just to give them the backstory. Yeah. But not so much that they became real main characters. Yeah. 
and I, like I said, I would, I liked her. I didn't have a problem with her. I just didn't need her in the movie. And if they cut those scenes, we would have had a shorter movie. I don't think every <laughs> movie needs to be shorter. No, I just, I wanted it to move more quickly. And I'm not going to go any further into that because I'll get into like ratings and whatnot. So mm. now. <laughs> As far as side characters, I loved Eddie's family. I think they showed just enough of them to get us really invested in him as a character. Yeah. And I what agree. he had to lose. Yeah. They made him a really well-rounded character. Yeah. They kind of struggled with the other two uh, main guys. Um, but with him, they did a really good job because you, like you understood how tough this was and that this was actually a difficult decision he was making to be here to be part of this every day that he was, not just at the end. Um, and the relationship between him and his wife was really good too. Yeah. Because like, you can't blame a woman for threatening to leave her husband because he is constantly leaving to go do this, you know, ridiculous thing that he's doing. Yeah, but you could also see that there was love between them. And yeah, his baby was so cute. <laughs> he was. He was. He believed in him, and that's all he needed. Yeah. <laughs> oh. And hey, that might have saved the world in the end. That baby. Aw. You're giving that baby a lot of power. <laughs> Um, but yeah, they did a good job with him. I wish they had built other characters a little better. I loved the bowler, well, Janine Garofalo, the bowler, and then Dad, the bowler. So, you know, the skull and the bowling ball. <laughs> who, who talked to her? It was just so strange. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, I had her... Uh, mm. murdered father's skull encapsulated into a bowling ball yeah. that she carried around. Mm -hmm. She dropped out of graduate school to take <laughs> a sentient bowling ball around trying to get revenge for his murder. Yep. And our introduction to her is so great. Because, like, she... So they're holding these auditions, right, for superheroes that they want to join their team. And... She shows up late after the party's over and they're just like, ugh, this was a waste of our time. And they say that she's too late and she can't audition and she gets all pissed off and shows them her power with the bowling ball by throwing it at them. <laughs> um, and I was just like, yes, that was exactly what I needed if we're going to have a Janine Garofalo role. That yeah. was perfect. She was incredibly competent. And mm. I liked seeing her show up and be everything you wanted her to be and to be the real superhero. Though I think that's an interesting dynamic that this movie has. Our original three are Batman-style superheroes, mm. where it's just, well, without the money. So it's just like, <laughs> oh, my power is that I hit people with a shovel. And it's like, well, yeah, we could all do that. <laughs> but could we, though? Could we? Maybe not well, <laughs> very well, because as he tells his wife, I shovel well, I shovel <laughs> very well, and yeah, I mean, I don't shovel that well. Maybe you do, but <laughs> I definitely don't. 
the spleen and the invis- invisible boy oh, and yeah. the sphinx and the bowler all have actual powers whether yeah. they got them magically or grew them or i guess carol doesn't have a magic power she just has a magic bowling ball <laughs> it's whatever it is yeah yeah they have that power and i mean she can talk to the skull so that so has to be something yeah yeah it's either a power or a mental illness, one or the other. But the original <laughs> three do not have that. No. Yeah, and the shoveler is very good at what he does. The other two, actually, I'm going to argue that the Blue Raja has a moment or two where he's good at it because, you know, they practice and whatnot. But I still am I, like I still am confused by what Mister Furious's power ended up being in the end, <laughs> or not power because they're not powers, like you said, but like thing. What is his thing? So much adrenaline that he becomes really good at fighting and takes less damage. Like he hulks so, out yeah. without hulking out. Yeah, yeah. He's constantly beat up and has bruises and cuts and is bleeding everywhere. But he's just like, yeah, I'm ready to go again immediately after. So I guess that's 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 important if you're going to be a superhero. <laughs> now, the Invisible Boy. Mm-hmm. It's such a '90s sci-fi cliche that being ignored can turn you invisible. There was an episode yeah. of Buffy on it. There have been a lot of things on it, but yeah. I think it kind of worked in this movie. It did. Well, I felt so much for him, and it's probably because it was Kel from Keenan and Kel, and I love him so much. Um, but I felt so much for him because this poor boy, like, he tells his dad that he's going into his room with three strange men, and there's literally no response at all. And I was just like, my heart is broken for you, you sweet, sweet boy. Like, I, yes, you can you can go with them. You have superpowers. You can have literally anything you want because I love you immediately. <laughs> well, and he just kind of, it's just sad because he's so desperate to be liked, but it never yeah. really comes off as annoying. Yeah. And he's so brave. And mm-hmm. it never seems to be like the others are like, well, we don't want you here. It's like, well, you're going to get killed if you can't actually do anything. Right, yeah. Yeah, they, like, take him under their wing. And they're like, I feel like they're all just like, yeah, this kid isn't going to be able to do anything. But, like, are we really going to say no? Are we really going to tell him he needs to leave? No. Like, he's already been through so much shit. And while, like, yeah, they're worried about him getting hurt, they still don't have the heart to do it, to, like, tell him to go. Well, especially the shoveler and the invisible boy had a really close connection and it might just be that he saw him the same way he saw his own kids. Yeah. But he's the only one who never seemed to have a doubt in the invisible boy's powers. And he encouraged him when he started to doubt it. Mm. And in multiple parts of the movie, they refer to each other as shove and fizz. And it's so adorable. Aww. Yeah. There, it was, it was really important, I think, that because I think like Invisible Boy and Spleen kind of got close to as like the new add-ins to to the whole group, and that was cool to see too. But Invisible Boy needed somebody who was going to believe in him as like a father figure because he clearly did not have that, and the Shoveler was the perfect person for that. 
he was. Um, the spleen was a very 2000s character where it's just like <laughs> farts are funny you remember how farts are funny <laughs> that was one of those things like the someone getting hit in the crotch and then the camera panning to their face which they also yeah. do that yeah. was another early 2000s thing where it was like farts are funny let's have like a whole section <laughs> of this movie where all the jokes are farts yeah well, at least they were a little more creative with his name and they didn't call him Fart Man or Fart Boy or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and it was a unique backstory that he was cursed by a gypsy woman for blaming a <laughs> fart on her. Well, yeah. And I felt like at the beginning when we first met him, I was like, oh, this is going to get annoying real fast with the like way he speaks. And I have I have an issue with like when they do like all the pimples on the face that look like they're about to pop any second, like I get really grossed out by it, but it didn't ever really happen because they didn't take it there. You know, like there were pimples, but they weren't like, here, let's zoom in and show you that it's about to pop. Like I feel like some movies have done in the past, uh, but I thought I was going to get real tired of him real fast. And I didn't, I thought he was, he was one of the more like eh characters for me, but like, well, I didn't end up hating him like I thought I was going to. He was the butt of the joke a lot. No pun intended. <laughs> but. All the pun. <laughs> he was also very competent. Like, he had his powers yeah. and he was good at what he did. And yeah. I think that helped. Because if it he did. had been the joke and also had been not useful to the team, it would have been awful and weird for him to be there. And it wouldn't have been very likable. Yeah. The voice was hard for me to stand, though. It was so spitty. It was. I can't with that. <laughs> I, I I thought that especially was going to get annoying, too. It, it didn't ever get too bad, luckily, because um, they had so many characters in this movie that it wasn't just, like, him and one other person constantly. If it was, that would have been an issue. It would have been. I also really love that he kept trying to hit on the bowler and then that one time they're in the bar and he like walks up to her. I don't remember what he says exactly. And she's like, yeah, no, never going to happen. Sorry, but it's never, ever going to happen. He's just like, okay. And he just like he walks right back to his seat. He doesn't even say anything. She smells yeah. him and then he's <laughs> like, no, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but I love that that was never a big deal it was just like okay that happened and it's over and then they're working together and there's no conflicts yeah i do too they handled a lot of shit really well in this movie especially considering the type of movie that it is like like that that they could have just either been really annoying with that or not done it at all but they did it and it was funny enough without getting like repetitive or getting in the way or anything like that yeah, and having a main cast that big, it's hard for them to have consistently good chemistry like that, and I think they did. Yeah, they did. Uh, speaking of consistently good chemistry, we got to talk about our debatable hero, Captain Amazing, <laughs> uh -huh. and our actual villain, Casanova mm -hmm. Frankenstein. Yes. And I'm going to say that speaking of like the way people talk or accents or whatever the way Casanova Frankenstein talks, accent and all, was so good. Was his so, so good. diction and his accent is... Mm -hmm. You can feel that there's something slightly off about it that sets you on edge, even before he's 
because he's in the mental institution and he's pretending to be cured mm-hmm. but there's something about him that just still comes off as very menacing and it's partly the diction yeah i agree now craig kinnear is captain amazing um, is so wonderfully dumb but <laughs> not dumb but still uh-huh. real dumb <laughs> i i agree <laughs> i hated him for like a minute and oh. then immediately was like oh i love you because he shoved a kid and i was like no screw you <laughs> you're supposed to hate him because yeah. he comes in and you know those three are supposed to be the heroes of the movie. And he comes in and flat out mocks them like, hey, keep up the good work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, no, he saluted us. That was real, boy. <laughs> and he was absolutely mocking them. He absolutely um, was. Yeah. He, in the best way, though, it was like, it was enough that you, you could have some people be like, no, but was he? No, maybe he was just being a nice guy, you know? Now, everything that happens in this movie is his fault because Hmm. he is losing sponsors because superheroes in this town are sponsored like race cars. So no wonder people (laughs) want to be one. Yeah. And he loses a sponsor. So he is thinking, oh, well, I need a better villain to fight than these little pissant ones that aren't getting me good coverage. Hmm. So... He, or should I say his alter ego, Lance, his Clark Kent, (laughs) goes to the mental institution where Casanova is being held and says, oh, Captain Amazing wrote me a letter. He says (laughs) you should release Casanova. And Casanova (laughs) knows that Lance is Captain Amazing. And he has to just sit there with a straight face, knowing (laughs) he's being broken out of an institution he belongs in. By an idiot. <laughs> yep. And my favorite part of that with the letter was that they didn't just leave it as a blank page or have it be something that he had actually written, you know, that he was reading. Mm-hmm. But it was a shopping list. It was things that he needed to go to the grocery store for. And it was great. It was like that, those little touches, I think, um, made the movie as good as it was for me. Yeah, it was really funny. And yeah. His doctor, Casanova's, was basically his Harley Quinn. Mm -hmm. And when Lance comes in and says, oh, I have a note from Captain Amazing, she just looked like, oh, damn. And it's like, you should release him. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the only time I needed that woman in the movie. But she at least didn't take up a lot of screen time. So that's fine. Yeah, I agree. I really love the whole, no, Lance isn't Captain Amazing. One of them wears glasses and the other one doesn't. It's just like, what? <laughs> no. But it, the yeah. best part of that was he takes them off when he transforms. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Yeah. How would he see? How would he see? <laughs> yeah. And that's a good like amount of mocking of things like Superman. You know? Like where people legitimately look at him and they don't know that that's the same person (laughs) well yeah and they do satirize other superhero media but not Hmm. so much that you're just sitting there going they did the thing they did the thing they did that thing yeah yeah 
it's more of a send up of the genre than a specific parody of it's not like scary movie yeah 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 it's not constantly a parody um also captain amazing as captain amazing actually as both i guess him like alter egos um he reminded me of rex manning so when i saw him I went, oh, no wonder nobody chose this movie. This is a podcast. <laughs> this is the fifth movie we've done where we're like, that person's Rex Manning and that person's Rex <laughs> I don't think Rex Manning would approve because he is the only Rex He's Manning. So sexy. <laughs> now, Casanova oh and Amazing have great chemistry. Mm-hmm. They have a scene after Casanova blows up the loony bin. Mm-hmm. where Amazing comes to his house and he's expecting him. And they're just like bantering back and forth like, oh, well, would you take off your dart slippers and would you <laughs> turn off this weapon? And you can tell the entire time that he's expecting him because when he takes off the slippers, his toes are done. Yeah. And it's yep. such a good scene. It's like the kind of easy back and forth chemistry where it's like, I've known you for so long I know everything you're going to say. You know everything I'm going to say. And it just flows. Yeah. It reminded me of Giles and Ethan from Buffy. And it only works if the actors are good enough to sell that there's decades of backstory that aren't there. And the actors nailed it. They did. And Casanova's gold nail polish on his toes and the toe ring were perfect. They were. Like, that is 100% what I would expect of that man if they hadn't shown it to me and I had thought about his toes I don't know why I would but, but if I had I would have been like yeah he probably has gold nail polish on <laughs> the foot fetish podcast um, yeah, hooray now that's a good turn mm-hmm. I love that after everything all it took to take amazing down was an obviously placed detonator that wound up being chloroform <laughs> and he didn't see that coming yep and they're just like, oh, dang. <laughs> yeah, the, that was my favorite moment of Captain Amazing, I think. The aw dang before he collapses. I think that's my most used quote in life. <laughs> that's, see, I wouldn't have ever known that it was from that because it's such a simple phrase. You but know? you've heard but it. <laughs> now I know. Now I know. And now I can't unknow it, damn it. <laughs> Now, I liked the other gangs. Do you want to talk about the Disco Boys? Yes, I do. I love the Disco Boys. And when I, I literally texted you and I said, why didn't you tell me Eddie Izzard was in this movie? And you were like, I didn't know that I had to tell you that. And I love him. And I know so little of him. Like, I haven't seen him in many things. And I've only seen a little bit of his stand-up. But he is my favorite like person to watch do stand up or talk in general, honestly, not just to do stand up because of the way he speaks and because of how I'm going to use this term, how extra he constantly is, but in like the best ways ever. And I really, really love the disco thing of it, but also that they are Tony P and Tony C. That was, I just sat there and I went, well, that's going to be fun for the podcast, but also hilarious. Great. Of course, they are both Tonys. <laughs> if there were a third one, then they would be Tony, Tony, Tony. Oh, but no. We didn't well, go there. They do actually have an entire gang 
and Mm -hmm. they beat up the main three superheroes and Mm -hmm. it's all puns and disco yeah and then the main three make fun of them for not being puns enough where it's just like a gun what does guns have to do (laughs) you're gonna carry a chain it should be a gold chain gold chain yeah and that's just off the top of my head and it's like (laughs) That you're surrounded by a gang of people who will hurt you, and that's what you're going with. Yep. They just can't leave the pun zone. No. And what they shouldn't have to. Puns are amazing. Embrace puns. <laughs> the Disco Boys were not my favorite pun of the entire movie, though. Okay. My favorite pun were the not-so-goody mob. Oh, God. <laughs> this movie hired the band, the Goody Mob, and uh-huh. had them play a gang called the Not So Goody Mob, <laughs> who were just themselves. Yep. And it was, I wouldn't say it was necessary, and I wouldn't say it brought anything to the movie, but damn, was it a good pun. It was funny, yeah. <laughs> Well, all of those, like, other gangs that were introduced to, like, the frat boys, I don't remember what they were called. Were they just the frat boys? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Um, like, they were pretty unnecessary. I would, I will even say, God, what were the girl one, what was the girl one called? Like, the fluffy somethings, weren't they? They were the furries. <laughs> the furries, that's what they were. Their whole purpose, I'm convinced, two two purposes one so that they could have a female gang because they probably just wanted to make sure they included that and two so that when they use the clothes shrinking weapon it wouldn't be on the guys and I sat there and I went this isn't funny enough you should have shrunk one of the other gang's clothes because it would have been so much funnier to see for example example the example the uh like the ones with the cigars i wish i had written down these gang's names what were they called (laughs) Um, the cigar ones the mob ones we'll just call them the mob um they were they're the only ones i don't remember they had the susies yeah, I remember the Susies too, but that wouldn't have been as funny. I I just think that it would have been funny if like the mob ones were the ones whose clothes got shrunk because that could have been so much funnier than well, it just being like, oh, my pants are shrinking too. Okay, that wasn't ass. funny at all. No, I was like, this was dumb. This was pointless. You like you missed on something that you could have done so much more with you know? having it be the female gang was probably a logistics issue too because having mm. the men's clothes shrink would have been harder to do than just yeah. saying oh look the women's clothes shrank because we put them in a shorter top yeah shorter top thong you're good yeah <laughs> yeah and like i mean as i always say i don't mind if there's nudity in the movie when it's necessary and i not that this was full-on nudity but it was like it was like the um from the uh superhero auditions when you had the uh whatchamacallum the girls the i don't think the they, wonder they women who had name. their wrestling. yeah yeah, and it was literally the whole purpose of it was like, look, hot chicks. And I'm like, cool. It serves no real purpose in the movie. It, it no. wasn't funny enough, you know? Like, at least if it was funnier, then it would have been fine. But it was literally just like, okay, let's put some chicks in a movie that are really hot and let them roll around and lay there in thongs. Cool. We're Wait, good. Speaking <laughs> of that scene in the mid-2000s, All-Star. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I sang that song mm-hmm. after the movie. For too long. 
And of course, Dane Cook. Seeing Dane Cook Dane in a Cook. movie is like seeing them use like a Zach Morris cell phone. Where it's like, LOL, VHS. <laughs> yeah dane cook as the waffler was not my favorite superhero in the auditions though i really really loved the ballerina he was my favorite i wish they kept him uh, and they were <laughs> so was... excited for him and then i was like oh, yeah. that's not. <laughs> it was also nice to see the you know father-son duo pencil oh, head and son, son of pencil, pencil head was such a dweeb <laughs> yep like i'm he not was... trying to insult your children but like <laughs> He is getting beat up at school. Sorry about oh, it. Poor. Well, no, he's not because he's a superhero and he's going to go out and erase crime. What are you going to do, huh? A podcast. <laughs> Talking about him. See, he's still one. <laughs> I didn't think the PMS Avenger was as funny as she could have been either, by the way. No, but I think I think that's an easy joke to go for. And I'm glad they didn't stretch it out any longer. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm glad they didn't either. It's just if she was going to have one line, it could have been better. I don't know what. I don't have an example. I just, I'm not the one writing the damn movie. <laughs> yeah. Now, that Dr. Scene. Heller. Okay, Dr. So, Heller. Sorry, I, while we're talking about quotes of things and things happening and people being ridiculous, his business card, I had to pause it and write down all the things it said in the corners. Aromatherapy, chicken rentals, carnival rides, and laser hair removal. Who is this man? <laughs> oh. And he was picking up people, uh, women, according to him, in the old folks' home. So... I, I kind of love him. <laughs> now, I love him, but his non-lethal weapons are not non-lethal. No, they're not. Like, a canned tornado could, like, break somebody's neck or throw them on a tree branch and impale them. <laughs> like, tornadoes kill people all the time. This exactly, shrinker yeah. could easily asphyxiate someone. Yep. Uh, the magnet on the big tank caused a guy to get bludgeoned with a statue. His skull could have moved in. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, he, he was definitely, it was more like, they're not guns. I'm not shooting people and, like, stabbing them with things. But, you know, they could die. They could. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, the only main-ish character we haven't talked about yet is the Sphinx. Hmm. And I don't have a lot to say about him. I think he grew a little stale because his teachings were always like, as Mr. Furious would say, if you want to go up, you have to go down. <laughs> yeah. It started off really funny, but then, yeah, it was just like, okay, I'm expecting it. And it's not like growing. It's not getting better or anything like that. Yeah, I, he was an important character to have because they actually did get better at what they did. They did. And he had some great suggestions. Mm -hmm. Like, telling the shoveler to use his entire body as a weapon was very wise. Yeah. And to have more than one weapon, that came in handy later. It did. <laughs> and speaking of things that come in handy later, he mm -hmm. told uh, the Blue Raja that he should hide his strikes from his opponents so mm -hmm. that he could hit them better. And yeah. that was a pivotal point in the end of the movie because he was able to create a fork bridge for Furious <laughs> to climb without anyone seeing it. However, mm -hmm. 
he was at that point trying to hit a stationary target with a fork. The fork can't see where you're aiming to dodge your strikes. So <laughs> yeah. just hiding it behind his sleeve should not have made his aim better. No. Yeah. But it did, because that's a superpower, damn it. <laughs> I-, I am glad that, like, th- those scenes where they were practicing and, like, learning and whatnot, that that didn't go on any longer. Because you could have had it be where he was like, oh, hide it, and then my aim will get better, and then trying it, and it failing, and trying it, True. and it failing. But it just happened immediately, and I was like, okay, good, let's move on. Now. Yeah. <laughs> now, my favorite scene was the scene of them vandalizing Casanova's limousine. (laughs) Yep. And the funniest part of it, in my opinion, is, I mean, they're doing everything. They fart into the window and lock lock them in. They're breaking the windows. They're uh, keying the car and jumping all over the car. (laughs) Uh And he's not afraid of them at all. No. They're banging things into the car and just denting the doors and the disco boys are freaking out and he's sitting there rolling his eyes yes (laughs) i loved him so much and that made it even better it was it was hilarious i was just and it was such a good eye roll too it was the only thing that seems to even slightly annoy him is the Mm. spleen And then afterwards, when they finally get out of the car, he just starts laughing. Like, yeah, he's about to blow up the entire city and they keyed his car. <laughs> yep. Like, it's it's like the, oh, you've stopped me now. <laughs> it is the pettiest of shit. And yeah. they're so proud of themselves. Yep. Yeah, they're like, oh, we won. We did it. You know what part I didn't get, by the way, and I or like I didn't understand what happened, um, having to do with that scene, when they the disco boys and them later go back to like get back at them or whatever, and all of their guns, like get fucked up. I I I, I missed something. I oh, think there earlier when the three main ones are sitting with the invisible boy right before they meet the spleen. They're talking mm. about other superheroes they've heard of, and they mentioned the Sphinx, who is terribly mysterious, and they also heard he could cut guns in half of his mind. Oh. So you're right, supposed okay. to understand as soon that. as the guns break that that is the Sphinx somewhere. If clearly, my dumbass didn't understand that, but it makes mm-hmm. sense now. <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah, that's why I bring these things up to you, and I'm like, hey, I had a dumb. Fix my dumb. <laughs> <laughs> now... I'm ready to go back to Monica now, if you are. Oh, okay. Let's go back to Monica. I thought she was so snarky and sassy, and I loved her. Like, where she Mm -hmm. was just so done with her shit. She was such a good waitress. And by Mm -hmm. that, I mean that she was a bad waitress, but she was a diner waitress. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, He had no chemistry with her at all at any point. No. He was, they kind of just forced that. Yeah. He was such a dickhead to her through most of the movie. And then he's like, I'm sorry if I scared you. That's the, that's the worst apology in the world. Yeah. Like, you don't apologize for being a douche. You just say, like, I'm sorry if I scared you. Yeah. And my favorite part, though, of that was that she was just, like, completely unbothered. Like, you're not threatening. I'm not at all scared of you. Just, like, 
done with his shit. <laughs> yes. But. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, their relationship did bring it to the quote that made me okay where mm. Mr. Furious wasn't my least favorite anymore. Okay. After she kisses him and tells him to just be Roy, mm. he has a complete and total mental breakdown. He does. And he's sitting there talking to himself. And he's just like, who is Roy? Who's the guy who pretends not to be Roy? That's about <laughs> all I know about Roy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, now I feel for you. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, clearly he had issues, but I just felt like there was, he, he, I mean, he ends up being useful in the end, obviously, but I just was constantly waiting for his like power or whatever to get better. And it just never did, you know? And I, I know that that was like the point was that he was the worst at anything from the three between or all of them, not just even the three of them. Um, I just wanted it to be more. I don't know why. And the fact that he was a douche didn't help. No. I did enjoy his non-apology apology apology with um, the shoveler, though. Yeah. When he came back and they just, like, had that conversation. And it was, like, and then the shoveler was, like, "Uh, why don't you come with us? And he was, like, oh, good call, quick thinking or whatever. And he's, like, yeah, well, I wouldn't want anyone to get hurt. And I'm, like, oh, you're, like, he's such, the shoveler is such a dad to everyone. And it's so cute. That is how you apologize to your friends, too. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Now, (laughs) for that, among many reasons, the shoveler was my favorite. Oh, yeah. I'm not surprised at that. He was great. William H. Macy is uh, confusing, but (laughs) the shoveler was great. And I don't even love him the way you do. And Mm -hmm. the shoveler was just the best. And he had the best chemistry with all of the others. Yeah, I agree. Um, He was kind of like the one that was able to bond with everyone, basically. Yeah. Um, I had such a hard time picking a favorite because immediately I wanted to pick, I I was going to say Cal, Invisible Boy, because it was Cal. But I was like, and as much as I loved him and as much as I felt bad for him and I wanted him to have everything and all of that that I already said, I was like, no, I can't choose him because he's Cal. (laughs) Like, that's not fair. Um, And I couldn't choose Tony P because he was Eddie Izzard. So if I was being completely honest of my favorite character, it was probably Casanova Frankenstein. Okay, well, as a representative of your favorite character, I have Hmm. an important question for you. Okay. I don't know if you remember the scene where he was washing his hands in the bathroom. I do. Did he have a bidet that was basically like a baby peeing on his asshole? Yes, yes he did. I thought 100%. so, and I was hoping that was a fever dream. <laughs> no, but this is the movie you made me watch, so. <laughs> now, another thing I love, though, about the spleen. Mm-hmm. Between his style and the faces he makes, he kind of gave me Austin Powers vibes. I don't know <laughs> if you got that, but. I, I didn't, but I could easily see that now that you've said it. <laughs> It was very strange. Yeah. But I love it. 
I, well, I, he looked so familiar to me in the role. And then I looked up the actor and I was like, no, I don't think I actually know you based on like a picture of him that I saw without all of the, you know, basically character makeup and shit. I was like, I don't think I actually know you from anything. It's possible I do. I didn't do a bunch of research on it, but he was so familiar. And it's interesting to me because I'm like, okay, so then is he familiar as the character, the spleen? Was there a character that looked like this that I'm thinking of with the like pimples and hair and all that? And I still don't know. <laughs> no, I can't think of who you'd be thinking of either, except unless it's Austin Powers. Maybe he looks like baby Austin Powers. Maybe that's what Austin Powers looked like as an awkward teenager. He wasn't even a teenager, but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, this is what Austin Powers looks like when he loses his mojo. Oh, nobody <laughs> wants that. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm going to go back to Roy for a second and say one thing that I really did like about him. Oh, please do. Um, He had really, really quick little stupid lines that were great. Like when he's starting to, or he's trying to start his motorcycle up and he's struggling and then he finally gets it and he hurts his nuts and he says, testicles rising. And I thought that was hilarious. That was such a funny way to say that. Mm. Um, and then also when he is spying on Casanova, um, I don't remember which thing exactly it is a re response to i think it's when he blows up the loon even but um i could be wrong but it's in that scene uh his response is mama pajama and i'm like what the fuck did you just say <laughs> mama pajama is not even my favorite quote it was just the point in which i was like i like you i get why you're here aside from you being ben stiller <laughs> was it your favorite quote from him yeah, it was my, definitely, yeah, Mama Pajama was my favorite quote from him, and I want to say that all the time. I hope I remembered to. That was not mine. This, what was yours? I thought I was working with a couple of superheroes, the Shoveler and the Blue Raja, not Lazy Boy, and Lazy Boy in the recliner, and he yelled <laughs> it at their backs because they're already leaving, and it's yep. such a good line, and it it's is. too late. <laughs> yep he got there just like a minute not even a minute 30 seconds too late <laughs> there were a lot of really good lines like when the bowler when they're um walking into uh dr heller's place of business um and they're like walking around and she's like questioning like oh, who would even want to buy a chicken or whatever and then she goes there's another chicken crazy chicken world and i'm like rent a chicken people buy chickens chicken. all the time that's true. Rent. <laughs> yeah, rent a chicken. What the hell are you going to do with this? <laughs> now. Oh, I don't want to know. Okay. Oh, no, yes. not at all. <laughs> These types of movies always have that big inspirational speech. Like, mm -hmm. I can't even think of a superhero movie that has it, but it's like the Braveheart, you can take our lives, but you'll never take our freedom moment. Yeah. The big speech of this movie is Eddie making egg salad sandwiches <laughs> yeah. quietly in the background and saying this is an egg salad sandwich on white. My wife won't even let me touch it. <laughs> and it's like, it's the stupidest speech. It's the worst speech in the world. Or do I eat this sandwich? <laughs> yep. It was so good though because he was planning that back there the entire time. You know he was. It's like, I'm going to say this exact thing. Damn it, I am. <laughs> now, there's a part of me that wonders though. 
if he was just like, please say we're not saving the world. Uh, I'm sitting here smelling the sandwich. and Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even necessarily like egg salad, but it looked good. Yeah. I wanted it. I wanted him to take a bite out of it. I won't lie. I was a little disappointed that that didn't happen. Well, they decided um, to save the world instead. <laughs> they did. And I guess that's good, too, or something. Meh. Um. I thought, by the way, the bowler, before I realized that she can actually speak to her dad's skull and, like, hear him and whatnot, I thought she was using that as an excuse to be a dick to everyone because every time she said something in response to her dad about one of the others, or especially, I think it was Spleen, it was such an it was such an insult it was like so bad and I didn't write that quote down because it wasn't like a particularly good quote it was just her being a dick but I'm like oh you actually can talk to your dad never mind the worst (laughs) things supposedly her dad said were about uh the blue raja oh was it okay because I think that they were flirting Uh, I thought so too and then the dad keeps piping in, supposedly calling him a commie and a homosexual. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, and she was clearly into that. And you can even tell from the way that she argued with her, him about, like, letting her do her own thing and whatnot. It's just like, yeah, she's trying to get laid. Shut up. <laughs> yeah, but I also don't support that. Do better. because you hate Blue Raja, but I, t- I fully support it. Fully. They both have, like, parent issues. Go for it. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> oh, God, maybe the spinoff movie is those two, um, and then they find out nope. that his mom is dating the bowling ball. <laughs> nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. I'm gonna pretend you didn't say that. I'm gonna cut that part out of this podcast. Um. Now, one thing that I love about Captain Amazing's story in this is no one ever finds out that he did this basically mm, that's like, true he, he let out the guy who well he doesn't get away with it he's mm. killed it looks like really painfully <laughs> too spoiler no oh. <laughs> due to his own distraction in the amount of toggle flips and just yelling at everyone until they accidentally kill him yeah well, and I love, by the way, in that scene when um, they're all complaining about like, oh my gosh, um, I think Blue Raja probably is the one that says, we killed him. And the shoveler's standing on the side, the only one who's over there. And it's just like, what do you mean we? I was standing over here. <laughs> yeah, which is ironic because he's the one, I think, who distracted him so much that he asked for an extra toggle flip and died. Yeah, yeah. So it was all of their faults but he's not going to take ownership of that because you're the one who flipped the switch no (laughs) but he let casanova out of that mental institution knowing he wasn't cured because he wanted to have that big battle Mm -hmm. and no one ever knew that he did that on purpose yeah they just think he was the tragic victim of someone that he was trying to give a second chance to oh yeah, and so his name goes down as, like, still the amazing superhero that they lost. Exactly. <laughs> Whereas everyone See, so he died did. was partly his fault. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> um, the, 
the thing between Spleen and Invisible Boy, I was talking about it earlier. I'm going to go to a shot in the movie that I thought was really, really, really well done. Um, when they're standing out on like a cliff or whatever, um, and the skunk comes up to them <laughs> and starts to hump Spleen's leg. And Invisible Boy's response is just to like embrace it, just like let it happen. And they just stand there looking at the moon with the moon giant in the background and the skunk humping his leg. And I don't know why, but I thought that was so good because like, I think the shot of it was like, not just funny, but it was like that zoomed out shot of it was funny, but it also made me think of a cartoon, like not a specific cartoon, but just like that's something you would see at, at the end of a cartoon. Not necessarily the skunk hump. Pepe Le Pew cartoon <laughs> where he's just like, you smell like L'Amour. <laughs> now, uh, I hated that scene. I don't want to know if that's the noise a skunk makes when it's <laughs> But Hey, skunks have feelings too. Go ahead. <laughs> I liked the shot, if we're talking about shots, uh, when Eddie is talking to his wife and mm. she's telling him, you're a hus- good husband and a good father. And she's supposed to be putting her <laughs> hands on his face. And she put yeah. them on the sides of the camera. So you're getting like the bird's eye view. I thought yeah. that was an interesting shot choice. Yeah. And I thought about it, actually. And I was like, is it because she still has her like gloves on and it's supposed to be gross? And like, it's supposed to be this like really sweet moment between them where she's like, basically, I love you, but you need to drop all this and be a husband and a father because you are a great husband and a great father and all of that and then it's just like disgusting dirty not that they were dirty but just like you're thinking about oh she probably just did the dishes they're still dirty and now she's rubbing the gloves all over his face and I'm not even a germaphobe but that's where my mind went yeah (laughs) but yeah it was a good shot too uh, I also enjoy that Invisible Boy does get his power in the end and is able to not save them necessarily, but help them get into the room and basically save the world. Uh, and I enjoy that he is naked at the end of it. <laughs> and I don't remember which one of them it is, but one of them, I it, it's probably the shoveler because I think he calls him son or something like that. He says, uh, maybe use both hands. No, that was Jeff. <laughs> Oh, was it? Oh. Huh. Maybe he is a homosexual. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I thought that was, like, good, subtle, funny little thing they threw in. To be fair to Jeff, if there is, like, a naked dick anywhere, you're probably going to look at it. You're going to look. Yeah. (laughs) Um. Now, as far as side characters go... And she mm. was not even really a character. I loved the junket lady. The junket lady. Oh, uh, the junk right, the junket. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Her entire character is like just junket. <laughs> yep. That's it. Yeah. And I, it was I had perfect. I felt like she was like somebody's mom or something. You know what I mean? Like as a person. And they were like she had that attitude so they were like we're gonna use you in this it's gonna be a quick scene and this is your whole role and they like wrote it in for that reason well Roy's entire life is filled with him doing the don't make me angry I'm gonna threaten you if I'm angry and then all the women around him are like I don't find you threatening nope yep (laughs) 
That was her and Monica. But then it's yeah. also like, hey, how about you stop threatening the women in your life? Like, you made me angry, sweetie. I wouldn't have threatened you if you didn't make me angry. Yeah. Yep. Hopefully Monica doesn't actually end up sticking with him. Although I feel like she could handle herself and he wouldn't be able to do anything. But, like, he's not the right person for anybody to have a relationship with. Maybe now that he actually does have superpowers... He cannot be Mr. Furious all the time, and maybe Roy isn't a complete roid rage dickhead. Maybe. And you know what? If that's the case, and it was thanks to Monica that that happened, then now I support them. Yay. You look what you've done. You've totally changed my mind. I have, and I love it. I still think that she didn't necessarily need to be in the movie. I'm glad she was, though. She's beautiful. Mm -hmm. Um... I'm going to go back to Invisible Boy for a second because I need to talk about this because he had a beautiful line. At the end, when they're talking to the press and they, uh, I'm pretty sure it's the shoveler. I'm going to keep saying I'm pretty sure it's the shoveler and you're going to be like, no, actually it was this person. But I'm pretty sure this one actually was the shoveler who says that they want to dedicate this to all of the like basically unsung heroes of the world. Oh, you got it right. Golf claps. Yay me! Um, But yeah, he says that and they start naming people. I think they say like, like, do they say mail carriers? I don't know who they say. Somebody like maybe cashiers or nurses or whatever, something like that. Right. Or a few things like that. An invisible boy says to the people who remember jingles from old commercials. (laughs) And that hits so close to my heart. Because not only is that some some unsung heroes we got there, but I'm one of them because I love jingles so much. No, what you don't even know? I don't even know the Ruggles ice cream tune that was sung by Garfield on the East Coast (laughs) in those commercials in the mid '90s. Oh, see, I don't know because I'm not on the East Coast. Damn it. Uh, now anyone I have to... who's listening knows the scoop scoop yum yum. <laughs> you need to send that to me now because I'm not kidding. I love jingles. You need to find that and share it with me because I'm constantly singing jingles. So that was, a, that was also not my favorite quote. I'm getting there. But that was a great one from him. And I was just like, thank you. It's about damn time. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're really helping people in the world. <laughs> I am. Without me, you wouldn't know some of those jingles. And your life wouldn't be complete. (laughs) I have been enriched. Superhero, superhero right here. That's my power. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks for listening. Bye, guys. No, I'm kidding. Um, (laughs) um, I'm going to tell you now my favorite quote, though. Because I want to talk about Tony P a little bit more. Because there was that scene, and this isn't even the scene that the quote is in, but there was that scene where he's just dancing in that room before Casanova comes out and talks to him. And that was another really beautiful scene for me because it he was so into it. It nothing else mattered. It like he didn't care that they were gonna be blowing up the world or whatever, that Casanova was free again. Like, I'm sure he cared, but like, he didn't care in that moment. None of it mattered to him. It was just disco and it meant so much to him and you could see it on his face and it was beautiful. I loved that scene. It was such an unimportant scene, but. 
Well, he had his own thing. He was getting out of it. He wasn't for blowing up the world. It was just like if you blow up the world, then disco. Yeah. And disco's not dead, damn it. It's not dead. Disco's um, life. <laughs> which I don't even agree with. I'm not a fan of disco, but I love him. And sure, disco. Yay. Um, disco's great. Um, I think you have to be in a very disco mood to enjoy disco, but that's a whole other conversation we can save for another time. I'm sure Tony would agree, but he's <laughs> always in a disco mood. Which Tony? Haha. <laughs> well, probably both of them, actually. Um, Maybe all three. Oh. is Was Tony, Tony, Tony 90s, by the way? Oh, I think so. I, I think so, too. Okay. Anyway. um, But yeah, so I think it's when their weapons break and when they were going to be attacking our heroes. Um, and uh, when they leave, not only does Tony P jump into a wagon, I believe, with like, it's like one of those like horse and carriage things. It's not a horse. I'm pretty it's sure. Bike wagon. That. Yeah, bike wagon. Thank you. Um, and he hop. not only does he hop into that, which is incredible because like i said he eddie izzard is the most extra person and so was that character um but as they're leaving he yells kill you later super losers and i want to use that so much in my life i hope that i have opportunities to it was the moment that made me laugh the loudest probably in that like shocked surprise like why why am i even laughing at this way you know yeah it was beautiful I could watch this movie and every single time find something else that I didn't properly appreciate and just mm. be like, okay, now I love it more. <laughs> oh, I, I'm going to start getting into final ratings if I talk about that at all. Did you have anything more to talk about? I do not. <laughs> okay, then I will get into final ratings. Uh, you go um, first because I want my rating to be the last one because it's better. <laughs> <laughs> I know it is. Um here's the thing you were just talking about like watching it over again and like loving it more because there's things you didn't appreciate the previous time and whatnot and I see that as a thing because here's the thing I'm sitting here looking at my rating and going wow I had like two things listed in my what I didn't like about the movie and it was literally just to shorten the movie that was it um and so I feel like my final rating might not be as accurate as I thought it was. I gave it a 75%. Oh. Because I think I enjoyed us talking about it and remembering the lines more. And maybe it was because, if you'll recall, I was constantly interrupted while I was watching this movie. Okay, she's the worst at having a movie <laughs> podcast. She's like, I watched it when I was sleepy. And then I watched it when I was interrupted. It's a two-hour movie, and it took me three and a half hours to watch it because I was so interrupted. So I just enjoyed my movie, <laughs> I did enjoy it, though. I did enjoy it. It's just like, yeah, if a two-hour movie for me is long, and we've talked about this, I can't sit still and focus on one thing for a very long period of time. But um, if a two-hour movie that took, like, four hours for me to watch was still this enjoyable and I gave it a 75%, in my head, I know that it was even better and I probably would have liked it even more. And so maybe at some point in the future, I will rewatch it and give it a higher rating and then I will have to 
post on Instagram about it so that you can be like, bitch, I told you. Um, Your rating was significantly higher than the Rotten Tomato scores from both critics and the audience. So yeah, and that's what I was surprised about. I thought at least the audience would have given it closer to my rating. Well, my audience gave it a 96. Ooh, your audience of yourself. Yes. Good. (laughs) I love this movie. I love the chemistry between the actors. Mm. I like that they celebrated the superhero trope, but they also mocked it a lot. Mm. And the villains, especially the main few, are so delightful. They are. But sometimes the jokes don't land and farts aren't that funny. They're a Mm. little funny, but they aren't as funny as this movie thought they were. Yeah, they're not as funny as we, however old we were, in the 90s or 2000s, I guess, as we would have thought they were then. Exactly. (laughs) Maybe that was just thrown in for the kids. They gotta have something to do. It's like when, you know, when parents have to watch cartoons with their kids, so they throw in little, like, wink, wink, nudge, nudge jokes for the parents the kids don't get. Maybe the fart jokes were so that the kids who are watching this movie with their parents would have something to laugh at, too. You don't even know what Wink Wink Nudge Nudge is. I don't. I used it wrong, didn't I? It's a Monty Python sketch, and it just kills me that you used it right, but <laughs> you have no idea what Oh, I used it right. Oh, thank goodness. Because <laughs> I was about to explain to our audience that I do that all the time, but in this rare time, I used it correctly, and it still pissed you off. <laughs> <laughs> it's so That's easy. my life goal. It's my life goal just to piss you off all the time. Well, you're very successful in your life. Yes, I am. Thank you. Okay. Wait. <laughs> now, we're, next time we're going from a movie starring Ben Stiller to a movie directed by Ben Stiller. We're doing Alex Strangelove from 2018 starring Daniel Doheny and Antonio Marziale. How did I not even know that? Shit. Um, yeah. Well, fun so, fact for you that you couldn't it, steal. I... I'll find another one though. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, no, I probably won't. That's too much work. Um, but yeah, guys, come on back for that episode. And in the meantime, check us out on social media, on Instagram, Millennials at the Movies, um, and on Twitter, Millennials ATM. And my personal Twitter is Amy underscore Movies. That's A M I Amy. And mine is Cantaloupe underscore Eyes like the fruit. See you guys next time. Bye.